The big question is this, how do investors like us who don't have a PhD in finance or millions of dollars to start investing effectively grow our wealth with equities, bonds, cryptocurrencies, and more in a way that allows not only for short-term gains, but also significant long-term growth while staying true to our core? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. Hey, this is John. Over the past five months, I've been pouring over the Securities Exchange Act of 1934, which has been a tremendous experience. One thing really stood out in Section 8, and it has to do with how members under the Securities Exchange Act, brokers and dealers, have certain restrictions on shareholder accounts or investor accounts. And specifically in subparagraph A, it states that any participating or you know, anyone under regulation cannot commingle investor accounts or lend out the securities in investor accounts without prior written consent of the investor. And this is a rule that is extremely interesting because it's broken by most traditional firms today. A vast bulk of firms lend out your securities and receive interest income from it. A really great example of how this is implemented is through interactive brokers. They're, to my knowledge, the only broker that actually gives you a profit split of the money that if you mark an asset as something that they can lend. I believe at the time, I think it's a 60-40 split, they'll give you a percentage of the profits from the interest income. And that income can be fairly sizable for even reasonably well-traded stocks. You're looking very often at about 10, maybe 15 or, or even more percent returns on lending out your shares traditionally and most often on a day-to-day -day basis with most securities lends lasting high-end three or four days. And because of the way it's implemented with most brokers, there's effectively no, I, I don't want to say no, but it's extremely low counterparty risk because it all goes through the Depository Trust and Clearing Corporation. And because of that relationship, they have weeks to net out the trades and the shorts get netted with the longs. And it works out because of some of the special contracts. And, and effectively, the GGCC was created by these firms. I could talk all day about this, but in a very large part to facilitate this lax settlement, this credit system where you could loan out these securities and receive interest income. And it's a fairly common practice. You borrow securities, you pay. It's a, it happens all the time. Most brokers don't give you any money for it, but most brokers aren't particularly in violation of this act because of their interaction with the DTCC. The DTCC does all the commingling. The DTCC, in effect, does most of the actual lending. And so it's very hard to prove that they're in violation of Section 8. However, everything changes when you get to the book entry or the transfer agent ledger of shareholders because now everyone on the ledger has direct ownership of the assets and that's exactly the case with vanguard one of the largest investment funds on the planet they have a lot of investments that are right on a an issuer's books they're with the transfer agent and they're direct in the company for their funds now i don't have particularly much to gain from revealing this this violation which we'll talk about in just a moment i have three dollars in a vanguard account and they set up to effectively see if they properly disclosed 
their commingling and lending practices because, as it says here in the Act, as long as you have written consent in a big long terms and conditions somewhere, they're fine. They're, they're totally clean. And what I found going through all of the onboarding documents, all of the terms and conditions, every piece of information I could find, creating an account with Vanguard and investing in a fund with Vanguard, all of the disclosure statements, blue sky agreements, every, all, everything. I got a whole folder of it. Nowhere did it say or did it state that by investing or by clicking accept or anything like that, you agree to have your securities commingled with other investors or lent out to people that want to short a stock. And because they have direct book entry ownership, these lending practices can lead to really, really screwed up incentives. For most of the funds at Vanguard, the managers are incentivized to invest as much as they can into securities that are highly shorted. There are more people trying to short them. There's more short interest. And the, you know people think it's gonna go down because you can lend out those securities and get those lucrative 10, 15, or, or greater annual returns on the lent out shares that are in general 20 times larger than any kind of fees that you're gonna get. And that's with generous fees. Usually it is orders of magnitude larger, the amount of income that the fund itself can receive by lending out securities, not reporting them as gains, and just booking the profit. It fundamentally incentivizes managers to invest in theoretically worse performing stocks that more people are selling so that they themselves internally profit more at the expense of investor returns. Now, over the long run, this is huge. You think about even just a 1.5% cut in performance because of this practice over time in non-indexed mutual funds or ETNs. That's millions and millions and millions of dollars in somebody's retirement portfolio by the time they're really able to realize those profits from the investment. And that is why this violation is so huge because it affects every single Vanguard investor to the extent that they're investing in funds that are creating profit from loaned out shares on the book entry ledger. Now, I have approached three law firms with this case, with documentation, with everything, effectively trying to begin a class action because I very firmly believe that there are billions of dollars in damages created by this manipulative practice and commingling, illegal commingling and lending of investor securities. And I can't get anyone to care. I just, I don't know, I, I just, no one cares. And at the end of the day, it's challenging because the burden of proof here lies in the prosecution, right? You've, you're, and because of that, it's challenging to, to prove in front of a jury that this is what's going on because most of these transactions, most of these block trade, commingling, lending practices where you have, say, a million shares of GE by Vanguard, which is very reasonable, they go and they, they lend that million shares that is not going to be touched for another 40 years to you know, Schwab or, or Merrill Lynch, anybody, to go out and then lend those securities to the marketplace to short sellers and then profit a, a very large sum of money in return. 
that all takes place on a very opaque financial system and it's extremely challenging to prove that that's actually what's happening without having the internal books of Vanguard or without having some insider that can actually attest to what's going on and provide documented electronic reports that are strictly confidential and only internal at Vanguard showing that that's exactly what's going on. And I think that's why some of these firms just saw it as a challenge above their heads. I, who, who am I to know? I'm publishing this and making it all public. I was really hoping to be lead plaintiff on a case like this, but at the end of the day, because the burden of proof is so high and challenging because of the opaqueness of these market positions, it's because the transfer agents themselves do not even bother disclosing ownership. Even, I mean, it's, it's so awful. There's some tricks you can kind of do if you buy lists of beneficial owners from brokers through Broadridge, but it just costs so much to do that. You would have to do that for many, many, many months, years to prove any kind of case where this is happening. And that would cost hundreds of thousands of dollars just to get the records of ownership over time as they change and watch for those big transfers especially in the mutual fund or the ETN accounts where they're holding those securities for long-term investors but really lending them out for more income. It's a very challenging thing to prove without inside access. And I personally just don't have the bandwidth with the startup. I, I just, is too much for me personally to just go out and, and prosecute on. If I focused entirely on it, there's no doubt I could do it, but it's just not what I would like to put my focus on right now which I hate to say because it affects so many people, but it, it's just not what I can really be focusing on right now. So I'm putting this out there to let you guys know the Vanguard and very almost every, it's just so many people that are doing this and it is completely illegal. Vanguard, I think, is really the class Apple, the, the case study of this that really should be put to the shareholder's benefit in a class action lawsuit because it is absolutely ridiculous, the violations that they're occurring here. It's a word for word violation. Uh, the, the law says you need to you know, give a bona fide, you know, let them know what's going on. And that's just not what's going on here. These investors are being very subtly manipulated and their returns over time are being very subtly hindered to a drastic extent because of this commingling this illicit commingling and lending of securities through Vanguard Investments. So that's what I want to leave you with. I hope you guys learned something from this, go out there and just be aware that, that this is happening because it's tremendous. It's just the worst. So thank you guys so much. See ya. Hey, this is John. I hope you enjoyed the podcast episode. Now listen, if you want to get more stock market secrets and really understand the fundamentals and advanced techniques of investing straight from a hedge fund manager, then go to 9toNoonSecrets.com and claim your free copy of my bestseller 9 to Noon so that you can go from 0 to 100 in personal finance and master the investing markets.